I think sometimes this comes into play a lot with students who have mental health diagnoses or have newer diagnoses. Like things have been hard, but they haven't been able to completely articulate what things have been hard. And so in those cases, we have a lot of conversations with students where what we're trying to understand is tell me about what has been difficult why it's been difficult. Let's get to the bottom of what the barrier is. And then once we sort of get to a place where we can understand that barrier a little bit more, let's figure out ways that we can put things in place. Hi, everybody. This is Marcy Bullock, and welcome back to season six of Wolfpack Career Chats. In this segment, we are highlighting on-campus services and resources. Why should you use them and how can they benefit you? Enjoy. Hi, Wolfpack fans. I'm really excited today to be joined by Megan Foxworth, who has a wonderful resource to share with you, Wolfpack fans. Megan, would you mind introducing yourself and telling a little bit about the resource that you are a part of? Hello, everybody. My name is Megan Foxworth. I am an access consultant with the Disability Resource Office. We are located in Holmes Hall, and we are sort of the authority or experts on campus for academic accommodations and barrier reduction. So we recognize that every individual student is unique and everyone with the same diagnosis is different. So we're here to sort of consult with students and faculty to learn more about what they are unable to do based off of their disability and to put the right supports in place so that they can have the same access as their peers. That is really helpful. I appreciate you giving that overview. What kinds of resources do you actually make available for students that need that access? So sort of what we're doing or how our officer sort of is oriented is more around like how do we sort of reduce the the hurdles or obstacles in a student's way. So for a student who has ADHD, who might have difficulty concentrating or their processing speeds might be lower. It's not they don't have that information, just that it takes them a little bit longer to access it. So our job is to sort of meet with or get that feedback from the student and their provider to be able to put in place accommodations that make sense based off of what that student is describing their limitations to be and what the whole picture and context of that student is. In terms of being able to provide resources similarly to the way the Academic Success Center or the Counseling Center does with counseling or tutoring or peer mentoring. We sort of do a lot of referring out because our main bread and butter is going to be that accommodation piece and that consultation piece as well. Um, We do a lot of talking to instructors and a lot of presentations throughout the year to try to talk more about universal design and how to make things a little bit more accessible for people across the board as it's built into the overall infrastructure of a class or, you know, people's programs. That's so important, Megan. Will you tell a little bit more about how a student can figure out if they have a need for an accommodation? Maybe they're not sure and they haven't received a formal diagnosis. So one thing that I think we're always trying to get a better understanding of when a student is coming in is tell us a little bit more about what you are unable to do. I think sometimes this comes into play a lot with students who have mental health diagnoses or have newer diagnoses, like things have been hard, but they haven't been able to completely articulate what things have been hard. And so in those cases, we have a lot of conversations with students where what we're trying to understand is, tell me about what has been difficult, why it's been difficult. Let's get to the bottom of what the barrier is. And then once we sort of get to a place where we can understand that barrier a little bit more, let's figure out ways that we can put things in place. I guess it's just important for us 
or important for students who are thinking about, do I qualify as a person with a disability to think about what things they're not able to do? And we can help them break down what is sort of helping to contribute to that in a deeper conversation. That's really nice, Megan, to say that if you're not sure if you have the disability, that you can just begin a conversation and then you will take it from there once you know what barriers are in their way and how to remove the barriers. What are some of the examples of things that typically can be offered to a student if they have a barrier? So I always like to give this resource up front before I start talking through what accommodations are. So if you go on our website, you can sort of look at the different accommodations and descriptions and the resources. There's also a great tab on for animals on campus, exams, assistive technology that's available to students, um, dining accommodations, all those good things. All of those are listed on our website. When we're talking to a student about what's going on, we try to be as individualistic as possible. So one student who has anxiety might not have the same barriers or even need the same accommodations as another student who has anxiety. So the ones that people sort of think of frequently whenever they think of the disability resource office or accommodations in general are things like extended test time, reduced distraction test space, and then also things like permission to record or access to class lecture materials ahead of time. But there is sort of a larger scope of what accommodations can be and what they can cover. Gotcha. And if a student is maybe a little nervous about coming in because they're just not wanting to get special treatment, what do you typically say to them to encourage them? So one thing that we love to remind students and parents, I feel like I've been saying this a lot to parents recently, is that having an accommodation is not special treatment. It is simply allowing that student to access their environments in the same way as students who do not have that barrier can access that environment. So no one will think or look at that student as if they are not qualified. That person has a different experience and requires a different option for how to access that material. So I like to sort of emphasize to student that it is not you getting a leg up, it's simply you getting access to the door opening so that you can experience the rest of campus and all of campus um, without the obstacles that come along with things that you're unable to control. Oh, that's really a helpful frame. Thank you, Megan, for explaining that to me. I'm learning a lot. What is a success story that you would like to share with our listeners of a student that utilized your disability resource office? The success stories for us is happens when we're able to connect students with resources they didn't know were available or when we're able to talk to instructors about things and they're they're then opening their eyes and potentially shifting things about an assignment that they maybe hadn't thought through before. So the things that we sort of see in terms of that technology support in terms of students who maybe have newer diagnoses that they didn't know that additional supports were available are sort of spread out amongst our staff. So one that I sort of think about is a student who was recently diagnosed with POTS, and it was very, very difficult for them to navigate that first semester, mainly because everything was new. Their symptoms sort of varied in severity throughout the semester, and towards the end of the semester, after following up and getting updates, we were able to land on an accommodation plan that really fit what that student needed for their particular needs. 
And it did take us a little bit longer to get there because so much about what their experience was was new. But I could really tell working with this student that it was a relief to finally have multiple supports set in place and have had multiple conversations about it where they felt like they were being heard, like they felt like their needs were actively being listened to and worked with. And so that's one success story. But across my peers, across my colleagues, we sort of see a lot of little successes and students just realizing that there is a way for them to access their environments. There is a way for them to be able to demonstrate their knowledge and that people are listening and caring about what obstacles and barriers they're experiencing. That sounds so rewarding. And for our listeners who aren't familiar with POTS, can you describe what that means? So we see a mixture of POTS, dysautonomia, um, and then Ehlers-Danlos syndrome tends to be mixed in as a common um, comorbid diagnosis. And it has a lot to do with the heart. And it, those students tend to be really heavily affected by heat and have some chronic fatigue that are incorporated with what their experience is. But every student with POTS looks a little bit different. I'm sure every student looks different and it's wonderful to have these resources. What would be your number one tip to a new student that is starting their journey here on our campus? My thing to students that I I tell students, I tell parents whenever I can is even if you don't think that you'll need our office, um, even if you're like, oh, I didn't really use my accommodations in high school, I don't think I'll need them in college, I always, 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 always recommend going ahead and connecting. Those accommodations in place because ultimately students have a lot of power and autonomy over what they share with who they share. It is completely on a self-disclosure basis. Um, So we don't know that they're a person with a disability until they disclose to us. And their instructor won't know that they have accommodations until they share their accommodation notifications. So students can decide at any moment when they need to disclose. But I always tell students it is better to like have those accommodations in place and to be able to send them through the semester than to have to locate your documentation, figure figure out how to access the self-disclosure form and all that stuff to connect and then meet with someone potentially if you have a test that's coming on on Friday that you need accommodations for. It's always better to have it waiting in the wing than to have to jump on a plane last minute. That's a great analogy. Thank you for that suggestion. And to end on a high note, what is your favorite Howling Cow flavor, Megan? So I am a very, you know, simple girl. I like a nice cookies and cream, keeping it simple. That sounds so delicious today. Thank you, Megan Foxworth. And we will link to your office in the show notes and have a great day. Thank you.